everyone. Welcome to Sabbath School Gems, where each week we showcase key concepts from this week's Seventh-day Adventist Sabbath School lesson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sabbath School Gems. This is lesson five for the fourth quarter called The Stranger in Your Gates from the quarterly the present truth in Deuteronomy and it's for Sabbath, October 30, 2021. And we're recording this later than normal. So I don't know if you'll get this in time for your classes, but if not, I hope you will still listen because I think that there's some gems in here that are not really that clear in the lesson study. So we're going to start with Deuteronomy 10 verses 17 to 22. And it says for the Lord, your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. The great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. He is your praise, and he is your God who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt with 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude. So there's some elements in here. There's there's three elements I want to bring out. One of them is this idea that God is God of gods. He is the awesome God, he is above all. In fact, in just a few verses back in Deuteronomy ten fourteen, it says, Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. And of course, you know, in Deuteronomy ten seventeen, it says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome. So this is the idea that God is so high above us and he owns everything. And, you know, how, do, how is this important to the stranger that's within your gates? Well, when we realize how mighty and awesome God is and that he owns everything, it has us realize that, you know, the stranger, the poor, you know, whatever levels we think exist in society is nothing. We're all humans and we're so far from God as far as him being God and we being his creatures, that our differences between each other are, are just negligible. And, you know, we see that as when he says, cattle on a thousand hills are mine. I mean, the whole earth is, is my footstool, you know. So this idea helps us. I like to picture it as, you know, if we, if we look at the distance between California and Australia, you know, it may look like this huge distance or between any two po- points on earth. But then when you look at the distance between California and Neptune, <laughs> you know, the planet Neptune, it's like, wow, okay, well, Australia is really close by. We can actually get to Australia. We can't get to Neptune. And what about Orion's belt? You know, California to Orion's belt. So you just start realizing that, you know, the more we can see how great God is, the more we'll see that we're just like our fellow men and we're not going to see these big differences that, you know, the stranger or the poor or, you know, it, it, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be us and God. And um, so I think that idea is important. And also the fact that God is the advocate um, for the stranger. 
You know, in Exodus 22, it says, You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way and they cry out at all to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will become hot, and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. So this is God taking vengeance and being an advocate for this widow and of a father, fatherless and the stranger that's in your land. So now we also see how God is adopting them. He, so it's this whole idea of if we are opposing the stranger or the fatherless, we're really opposing God. You know, didn't he say, you know, when, when did I see you naked and I clothed you? And, you know, because it's really, it's really God who is the advocate for the underdog and and it's because he is going to deliver us and we are the underdog we are the oppressed we are living in this planet and so this idea is really important that you know god is the god and he is the advocate and you know there's also this idea that they were strangers they should know you know it takes one to know one in exodus 23 it says also you shall not oppress a stranger for you know the heart of a stranger because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You know, you you know what it's like. Why would you oppress when you were in that same situation? It reminds me of that story that's in Matthew 18 where it talks about the king or the, and the, the man that owed the king, you know, huge sums of money and the king forgives him the debt and then he goes out and starts extracting debt from those who owe him just like pennies <laughs> or, you know, dollars, a few dollars. And it's, it just shows like God is saying, I'm the one that, you know, forgives you. And, and I'm the one that brought you out of your afflictions and your slavery and, and everything. So why wouldn't you show even, you know, a, a, a fraction of that to your fellow human beings? So, you know, there's also that idea about it about that they should know, they should know what it's like. And um, they should treat others like God treated them. And he, he loved them and he pulled them out and delivered them. So, um, and then the second idea that's in this Deuteronomy is the idea that God does not take a bribe, that he is a God of justice. Remember, we read that in verse 17, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. So it says he shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. Actually, this comes from Exodus when God took Moses, put him in the cleft of the rock. Moses had asked if he could see God's glory. That's a big ask. And um, so God puts him in the cleft of the rock. He says, okay, I'm going to show, but I, I'm going to cover you because, you know, no one can see me. I'm going to pass by, but I'm going to cover you and shield you um, while I do it. So he does that to Moses. Moses goes up the mountain and God shows him his glory. And I'll just, I'll read that in Exodus 34. It says, now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed the name of the Lord. This is the name of the Lord that God himself is proclaiming. Listen to it. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, proclaimed his name. This is his name. The Lord, 
the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And then it says, so Moses made haste and bowed his head to the earth and worshiped. I mean, this is such an awesome scene where God is showing his glory to Moses and then proclaiming his own name. His name is mercy. His name is mercy, but he also by no means clears the guilty. So God is really showing this idea of, part of, um, you know, he, he's merciful, but he's not going to clear those. Remember, when he went up and remade the, the tablets of stone, Moses was begging him, please, you know, re, you know, don't leave us. Don't, you know, you said you were going to go with us. It, he did not want to lose that covenant. So when he goes up to the mountain and asks for that, and God gives him the covenant. He gives the stone, the, he remakes the tables of stone. But remember what he said. He said, you know, when, when Moses was asking for forgiveness for the children of Israel and, you know, and he's saying, if you don't go with us, you know, blot me out of the book of life. And he says, no, you know, I'm not going to block you out. I'm going to block out those who have sinned against me. In Exodus 32, it says, and the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now, therefore, go, lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit the visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. So God is not going to clear the guilty. And that's also something to keep in mind. This mercy and this justice, it, it goes two ways. So, you know, you're not to show partiality in any way, even even to the poor. I mean, in Exodus 23, it says, you shall not show partiality to a poor man in his dispute. In other words, you know, because someone is rich, you shouldn't give him favor. And because someone is poor, you shouldn't give him favor. You should be fair. God is a God who is fair. In fact, in Deuteronomy 116, it says, then I commanded your judges at that time saying, hear the cases between your brethren and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the stranger who is with them. You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small as well as the great. It goes two ways. You know, and this two-way street is also applies as far as their responsibility too. You know, there was to be one law for all. In Exodus 30, it says, 30, 15, it says, the rich shall not give more and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. When you give an offering to the Lord, that was talking about the census tax and see, you know, the stranger was supposed to have the same law. It says in Exodus 12, 49, it says one law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who dwells among you. When God views us, yes, he views us the same. The fatherless are his too. The widows are his too. The strangers were all to be his but we're also all to be under his law. And the last concept that's in this Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 22, is this idea in, in verse 21, where it says, he is your praise and he is your God who has done for 
you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. And this is the idea. God is the one who gives us good gifts. He's our praise. He's our deliverer. He's our sanctifier. He's the giver of all these good gifts. The Sabbath is tied up into this. Um, as we studied before, but in Deuteronomy 5.15, it says, Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And remember, we went and said that, that the Sabbath is a memorial of him delivering, of his deliverance. You know, it's, it is a memorial of creation. It's also a memorial of deliverance. And it's also a memorial that he is a sanctifier. So in Exodus 31, 13, it says, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So it's this idea that he created us, we're his creatures, that he delivers us, that he brings us out of slavery. He brings us out of this land of bondage. He's going to bring us out of sin and he's going to sanctify us. He's going to purify us so that we can be close to him. And, you know, we're, we're just pilgrims here on this earth. I, you know, in John 15, it says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So this idea of God delivering us, he's really going to deliver us from this world, from this world of sin that we're in. You know, when it says foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You know, that's how we should be. We, we should not feel comfortable here because this planet is not completely operating as God intended it to be. He didn't intend for all this sin, all this evil to be here affecting and infecting everybody, all his animals and all his creatures and, and his humans that he made. And he did not intend for it to be this way. So we will, we will know that we are strangers here. And, you know, in Genesis 15, going way back to like when he promised Abram, Abram at the time, and he said, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years, and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. There's going to be a judgment there. And it says, and afterwards, they shall come out with great possessions. So that is showing God. So we will, for a time, be under bondage. We will be for a time, but God will deliver. You know, he had the system of, there was the Jubilee. So you were to be released in the year of Jubilee, if you weren't redeemed before that, if you were a slave. So let's say someone falls into servanthood because they become poor for whatever reason. And someone's rich, and so they take him in as their servant. And, you know, in Leviticus, it, it says what to do with them in that case. And if they're not redeemed in the years that they were to be redeemed, then they shall be released in the year of ju Jubilee. The man and his children or wh wh whoever came kind of under servitude and says in Leviticus 25, 55, for the children of Israel are servants to me. They are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So he's giving a rule that, you know, you shouldn't take these servants as just, you know, indefinitely. Now I know they did have servants that worked under them, like Abraham had his servants, 
But this is talking about taking your brethren in and making them indentured servants basically all their life. God is, God says, I'm the one that's going to deliver you. I'm going to give you freedom. And so you will give them freedom. You, you will know that I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. In other words, he's the one that gives us deliverance. So why wouldn't we afford them the same kind of privilege that God is going to give to us? This whole concept is really tied up in the fact that God is going to come and he's going to deliver us. He's going to take us out of this world and this existence that we live in with all the bad things that we see around us. We're not going to have those anymore. He's going to be our deliverer. And so, you know, I think if we keep these three things in mind, I think if we keep in mind the fact that God is our God, he's so far above us that our fellow man is really just our equal, no matter what levels we have, that they really are our equal. And I think if we also look at the idea that God is fair, you know, and he, and he treats us all the same and expects the same from all of us, that we are all to be under his umbrella, but we are all to keep his commandments and there should be no difference between us and the stranger that we're all his. And then this idea that he will deliver us, that he is going to be our deliverer and take us home someday. And so we are to be living like that. And I think when we're looking forward to that day and the fact that we don't belong here, we'll see that our fellow man also doesn't belong here. The strangers or whoever the oppressed are among us, they don't belong here either. They don't belong here with all their problems that they have and the suffering that's going on. So God is going to deliver all of us. And hopefully by looking at this, we'll understand this better, this idea about how we should treat the stranger in our gates and how God is treating us and how what he wants for each one of us. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Sabbath School Gems. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, give us a rating, and spread the word to others. Comments and questions can be sent to us at sabbathschoolgems at gmail.com. Bye for now.